This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Okay, so like my wife said, I'm Lawrence. And if you don't know who I am, I'm usually sitting back there because I'm the head of security here at High Desert Word Center. So if I'm looking at you, it's not because I'm a creep. It's because, you know, I'm trying to, like, you know, maintain the safety in the morning service, all right? So get that out of the way. You know, I know, and then usually I'm like, I'm standing still, I'm just standing back and forth, and you know, I may look unapproachable, but you know, I'm a nice guy, right, Pastor Dave? Pastor Dave will vouch. I'm I'm okay. So, we're going to open up in prayer, but just so you know, whenever I preach, I never preach from a point of where, like, you know what, hey, this person's on my mind, and I'm going to tell, I'm going to get a point across, because their life needs changing. You know, I always preach and I always say before, this is on my ongoing series of preaching to myself. Because I'm either preaching to myself or, special treat for you guys, I'm going to talk about some things I went through that God got me through. So we'll open up in prayer and we'll get on. Thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name, that we, we just, first of all, that we, we uh, for High Desert Word Center, for this building, for our pastors, for the congregation, Lord, we just thank you, Father God, that we just have a, a place that we can openly worship you, that we can uh, freely say your name and worship you and, and uh, give thanks to you. And we just thank you, Father God, we bless this service, and we just thank you that it's going to be your words and not mine, that you taken over. We just give you permission, Holy Spirit, do what you need to do, uh, say what you need to say, and, and hopefully, you know, it, it gets to the person it needs to, whether it's someone in the building or through the podcast. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I was going to call this my summer lessons or lessons I learned over the summer. But like I said, I'm trying to keep the title ambiguous so you can apply it to your life. But these are my summer lessons. And it all clicked to me after I went camping recently. And I, it's very rare that I preach and this front row is actually here. Because when I preach, they're, they're on a plane somewhere or they're in another time zone or there's a wedding or something. And then, you know, Josh always likes to joke that he's second string. I had third string. Okay. But I rarely volunteer only because, you know, I just, I don't want to seem like cocky or anything or saying, hey, I hear something. But, you know, just there's something really on my heart that I wanted to share. So these are my summer lessons. And I learned a few things this summer. And a lot of them are not new. You're going to hear things that I'm going to say. And like, well, we learned that two years ago. Or I heard that lesson, you know, four years ago. Or I just read that the other day. I know that. Why is he talking about it? Well, sometimes you can teach an old dog old tricks. So I wanted to share some things that have really taken root in my life lately, and hopefully some of these can help you too. So lesson number one is don't drive on the wrong side of the road. Okay, now I wasn't in a fender bender, all right? I prayed over myself and over the roads that I drive, and ever since I've done that, in Jesus' name, I have not had a ticket in, I can't remember how many years, almost like five years, six years. I hadn't had a moving violation at all in all that time. But this is a story that actually my wife told me. She told me about a story about this husband and wife, okay? The wife, we're going to call her Jan, okay? Jan was watching the news, and she was like seeing, it was pretty crazy. She was watching this car on the wrong side of the freeway, and all these cars were like, you know, trying to dodge this this crazy person, all right? And she was concerned because she's like, Wow, that's, that's the same freeway my husband uses every day to go to and from work. So she calls up her husband just to see what's going on, if he's okay. And we're going to call the husband Jimmy. All right? So she called up Jimmy, and Jimmy was like, I was about to call you. You know, it's crazy. Like, there's not just one car that's driving on the wrong side of the freeway. It's hundreds of cars going on the wrong side of the freeway. And so, like, you know, he's tripping out. He's like, what's going on? Okay? So... But the moral of the story, it wasn't these other cars that were going the wrong way. It was Jimmy that was going the wrong way on the freeway. And he was caught up in his own deception. He was like, okay, I'm right. These other hundreds of cars are wrong. And how many times are we doing that? 
Because I know I do that a lot. I know I look at a situation and I'm like, you know what, hey, why, why are these people like that? Why did this situation happen? Why am I in this? Why is this always happening to me? And sometimes I just need to do a little self-evaluation. I need to do a little, pass a little judgment on myself. So that brings me to my first verse. And just so you know, you're going to see every once in a while, you're like, why is Lawrence not flipping his Bible? It's because I cheated. Because sometimes I get a little nervous when I'm up here. And, you know, I might fumble over the Bible. So like, well, you know what? I just wrote it down for myself very conveniently. So there you go. My Bible's here. All right? I just have it right here, too. So let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 11.31. And this one I'm taking out of the Amplified Bible. 1 Corinthians 11.31. Thank you. Okay, it says, But if we evaluated and judged ourselves honestly, recognizing our shortcomings and correcting our behavior, we would not be judged. That's basically saying that if you checked yourself ahead of time, you wouldn't have to worry about having judgment passed on you. If you're already making these, and, and you're thinking to yourself, well, when do I ever have time? And there's something wrong with me. You know, we do it We do it at least once a month here, right? Every time we take, uh, we do communion, we're stopped, we're given an opportunity to self-evaluate ourselves. And I'll be honest with you, you know, we would always like to be like, well, I do that all the time. I've been going to this church for over 11 years. You know, I've been born again 11 years. And there's times I don't self-evaluate myself. There's times I walk into a situation like, why is this happening to me? I got everything right. I did everything right. I go to church three times a week. Why is this happening to me? Sometimes it might just come down to is I'm being a jerk to someone. I'm out of line somewhere. I've, you know did something, I planted a seed, and I'm not recognizing it because my head is just so focused, like, okay, everybody else is the problem. So going back to the story of Jimmy and Jan, we don't really know what happened to him. Why? Because Leah never told me that part of the story. But, I mean, we can probably figure out what happened, right? We can, you know, I mean, this dude's driving on the wrong side of the freeway. You know, use your imagination. Probably got a ticket, you know. Maybe got into an accident. Maybe, uh, so, you know, he came to his senses and like, you know, I am that lunatic that's going the wrong way. Come to my senses. Pull the side of the road. Get back on. But I can't even imagine how many times I could have avoided troubles just by evaluating and correcting myself instead of thinking the world was driving in the wrong side of the road. And I'm willing to bet that some of you have had moments of thinking that others are the issue rather than you. You know, we got to turn to God for help with this uh, self-evaluation. You know, he sees all. So wouldn't it make more sense? You know, God's not going to, like, lay it on the line for you, but he will, like, kind of, like, point you in the right direction. You know, sometimes I have to do with Ryland. Ryland's just a big ball of energy. Sometimes you got to, like, grab his head. You're like, okay, that's the mess I need you to clean. Focus over there. And I think sometimes we have to turn to God, and God will do that to us. He's like, okay, all right, you want to know where you messed up? That's where you messed up. You know, he loves us. He wants us to be the best version of ourselves, you know. And what always brings to my mind about self-evaluation is Job. You know, if you, if you haven't read the book of Job, I highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. If you've read it, read it again. I highly recommend that too. So let's go to Job 13.23, and this is out of the New Living Translation. Job 13.23. And it says, tell me what I've done wrong. Show me my rebellion and my sin. See, Job had a lot of bad stuff happen to him, and he didn't know why. And things didn't start changing around until he examined himself and then started praying and wanting to help others before himself. 
something that I have to do a lot. He had to take an inward look. And in other words, he had to check himself before he wrecked himself. And those of you of the products of the 90s are going to know exactly where I came up with that, but we're not going to mention that. So that was driving on the wrong side of the road. Now, lesson number two is words and actions go hand in hand. Now, I'm going to give a little shout-out to Pastor Dave because his message on words a couple weeks ago was probably the best I ever heard from Pastor Dave. And it was a lot of stuff that we probably heard about a hundred times. And if you've been at the church as long as I have, you probably heard it thousands of times. So you need to go check it out. So with that out of the way, you know, this summer was a lot of trips for me and Leah. We kind of decided that this summer was going to be about, I always tell her, we're going to make memories this summer. This summer is about making memories. You know, we're going to have fun. We're not going to worry about, you know, like a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago, we went to a, a Holy Spirit conference down in San Diego, and Dr. Barclay was talking about the spirit of little bit. You know, we always think like, oh, man, I'd, I'd like to go and do this, but, you know, we don't have the money. You know, and I was like thinking to Leah, I was like, that's what we save for. We do have the money. Let's go make some memories. Let's go do some fun stuff. So one of the things we did is we conquered San Diego and its many zoos. Many zoos. Well, okay, it has two, but <laughs> when you're going with four kids, it seems like you're conquering many zoos, okay? So, and then we even fit in a camping trip. Many, many baseball games. And each time, I always joke, and I think, Josh will probably be the only one that will get this, but I always joke and I say, okay, this is going to be the best trip ever, or we're going to break up and join other families. You know, and then, okay, we, we pray after I say that, but you know, I'm joking around, okay? And then lately, I, you know, it just, it popped in my head, and I knew it already, but it just, little, another switch came on. It was like, okay, I realized that our trip's fates are not lying on the, on the funny phrase that I'm, saying. It's about letting my actions match the words that I'm saying. Like, this is going to be the best trip. But, you know, there's been many times, you know, with four kids, sometimes, not only one of mine's here right now, but kids get on your nerves sometimes. Am I right, Pastor Dave? Thank you. Thank you. All right? And you have four of them, and it's somebody, she's shaking her head, but just that's a lie right there. The kids get on our nerves sometimes, all right? I don't, I don't care what she's doing. I'll call up my wife right now. She's lying right now. It's summer. It's humid. We're going up and down the hills of the San Diego Zoo. And every once in a while, one of the four is going to get on my nerves. Now, in trips past, you know, I've had to let that affect me. And, you know, the little, you know, the grizzly bear have come out and... Kind of, you know, you ruin the moment a little bit, you know, and we should be enjoying the rhinoceros, you know, going gracefully across the plane, you know. We're all trying to, like, you know, comfort the kid that I just yelled at. And, like, it's okay. All right, look. Oh, look at the rhino. Okay. But I had to let my words match up with my, I had to let my actions match up with my words. Okay. Because, like I said, I've let moodiness get in the way. I let being hangry. Get in the way. I mean, come on. Hangry? Who's with me? Who gets a little hangry from time to time? Thank you. You know, or the biggest thing is I just, you know, I, you know, I, I'm okay with saying it because it's about myself just being an idiot and losing self-control. All right? Sometimes I've lost some self-control. I know it's hard to believe, but I've, I've had my not-so-fond moments. Okay? Let's go to 1 John 3.18. I just noticed another thing I don't do is I usually stay at the podium. I haven't got the gracefulness to, like, walk around. and So I'm just right here. <laughs> okay. Oh, hey. That's, that's like dipping out into the pool. I'm like, oh, it's cold. Okay, I got to go back. Okay, First John 3.18. Let's stay on track. Okay, let's focus. Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other, let us show the truth by our actions. Actions. So I couldn't just say we we're going to have the best trip ever, ever. I had to take actions. I had to not let my lack of sleep, because I shared a cot with a two-year-old, 
make me grumpy because I'm just going to tell you right now, if you're going camping, don't share a cot with a two-year-old, okay? It's not going to work. Leo was like, how was, the, how was the cot? Did it feel comfortable? I was like, oh, yeah, it was very comfortable. Did you sleep good? No, not at all. Or when you're driving to the zoo, ignoring the gripe of one of the kids saying, I'm bored. And I'm just going to say right now, for these purposes, ignoring is an action. So if you have to ignore one of your kids, you're like, Dad, I'm bored. Dad, I'm bored. Are we almost there yet? There's so much clarity and freedom in just ignoring that kid and knowing that you, you just you just hear they, they're moving on. They'll move on. Trust me. You know, your first instinct is like, oh, where's the tablet? Give them the tablet so they'll just sh- shut up. No, no, we don't do that, right, Leah? We don't do that. We do, we do it sometimes. We do it sometimes. But when I was thinking about uh, words and actions, I was reminded of my Eli. You know, because it's hard to believe that all that curly blonde hair was at one point hooked up to monitors, he was hooked up to IVs, feeding tube, even had a, a machine to assist him breathing for a while because he stopped breathing. Because when he was, for the first two weeks of his life, he spent in uh, intensive care. You know, he was born a month early. Uh, the doctors diagnosed him with some breathing problems. There was, they were saying there were some problems with his lungs. And like I said, you know, he stopped breathing at one point and had to have a machine assist him. So I couldn't just ignore what was going on in the natural. I couldn't just say, you know, because we've been going to this church for a while, and I know about saying positive words. You don't say that I'm sick. You say that I'm healed. You know, you don't say that I'm, I'm running a fever. You know, I'm in recovery mode. You know, I'm being healed in Jesus' name. But I couldn't just say that my son is healed and then take him home. There was obvious issues that were going on with him. You know, I couldn't just say, you know, he's healed in Jesus' name. Now, let's go home. I couldn't do that because we had to let the natural take effect. We had to let the natural of the doctors do their thing while me and Leah stood in the supernatural of saying, he's healed, standing on the word, you know, praying. So there's where your words and your actions are coming together. We had to let the, like I said, we had to let the doctors take control. Me and Leah stood on God's promises because we know that's what they are. We know God doesn't lie. So we knew that these are promises that are coming to pass. We've seen in this church of healing power. We hear the story of Pastor Dave when he was young all the time, and it never gets boring. We hear the the story of Pastor, of how he was healed, and it never gets boring. And I'm sure we can, every one of us can tell a story of someone that we knew that stood on God's word and they were healed. But me and Leah had this thing. We had, those two weeks were all about routine. We would stay at the hospital till we possibly, you know, until basically they kicked us out. And on the way, we had two things that we would do walking to our car. We would have this game of how far away can we hit the alarm and hear it in the in the parking lot. That was one. And the second one was, Eli's coming home tomorrow. Eli is coming home tomorrow. We looked each other in the eye, and we're like, you know, standing tall, like like the end of some kind of like inspirational movie. We're like, Eli is coming home tomorrow. But then we would go to the hospital, and we mentioned to the nurses, we're like, so Eli is coming home today? Well, no. And then end of the night, same thing. All right, Leah, let's see how far away we can hear the car alarm. And then... Eli's coming home tomorrow. Eli is coming home tomorrow. And that went on for two weeks. And look what happened. Eli eventually went home tomorrow. He eventually went home. And I think that's a big mistake that people do sometimes, is that they'll make the confession and they expect that microwave, you know, instant type of manifestation. And God does work like that. You know, I could think of situations that God has manifested himself instantly. But then there's also those times where it takes a little bit for your blessing to cook. You know, you don't want to rush it. And 
we never doubted. We never like, well, we never once said. And I never felt that. And I don't think Leah's ever felt it. We're like, you know, why isn't God hurrying up? Why isn't it? Why can't we just go home already? Why can't we just, you know, be happy like with the first three? You know, you spend a couple nights in the hospital. You bring the baby home. You move on with your life. You know, we're dealing with Eli in the hospital. And then it just seemed like all of a sudden the devil wanted to take hold of our, you know, our household. And like, you know, then the kids want to flip out, you know. Sorry, guys. I'm not really calling you out. But, you know, it just, you know, that's what happens. Sometimes there's chaos when you got grandpa taking care of the older three. And then me and Leah are uh, in Loma Linda taking care of Eli. You know, there's bound to be some chaos somewhere. You know, I mean, because kids, they want their parents. You know, I'm a cool guy. You know, you can't spend that way, long time away from me. But we had to let God's healing power and our, we let God's healing power and our faith and our positive confessions and prayers work along with modern medicine. We couldn't just merely believe he was healed. We had to add the actions of prayer and speaking out God's word out loud. And there was many times we spoke out loud God's word. We didn't just be like, you know, opening up the Bible to the verse we know that's about healing, and then we just like, we spoke it out loud. We spoke it out loud every day. You know, and think about this. God didn't just say, I love these people. I created, look what I've created. Look at all these lovely people. I love them. Okay, I'm going to go over here and see what's going on. And he just—he didn't just leave it at that. He didn't just be like, oh, man, look at, there's Lawrence. He's struggling again. Man, it sucks to be him. No, he didn't just create us. He didn't see us stumble and then just leave it at that. He took action. You know, God's word says that he loves us. And then what better verse to show all that but then John 3.16. And if you don't know John 3.16 at this point, you know, there's a, there's a Bible, there's Bible school every morning, every Sunday morning, 9.30. You should go check it out. Because if you don't know John 3.16, come on, get with it. I tell that to my kids all the time when they miss something simple. I'm like, come on, get with it. But John 3.16 says, a New Living Translation says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. Gave. Action. His one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So God puts some action with his words. So if God's doing that, then why aren't we doing that? Man, I thought I had more written for that point. We're just, I need to slow down, tell some more stories. But lesson number three for me in summertime lessons, is when I'm struggling, I don't have all the answers. It was a shocker to me when I first realized that, that I didn't have all the answers. I'm 40 years old, and it was, you know, it was a big revelation. But if you didn't know, my sweet little Eli, I mean, that dude's been attacked a lot with his health. I mean, a lot. And this summer was, he was attacked again. It was, it was pretty hard. It started with a small fever and then it led to multiple doctor's visits and, and there's nothing scarier than going to the doctor and them not knowing what's wrong. You know, I hate hearing the words like, well, it could be this. Like, lady, I'm paying you. This is your job. You need to know. You need to give me a definitive answer. Tell me something. Don't say I think this might what, what it is, but, we went to the doctor's office like so many times. I mean, it was coming to the point where it was like, on my days off, I knew it was going to be a couple of doctor's visits. And then he's visited emergency rooms. We've got to experience the, the great, blessed emergency room of our town. See, positive words, positive words. And if that was enough, we, we decided, you know, what the heck, let's go check out other towns' ERs. So we did that too. But... Eli had to go, had to be admitted into the hospital. And I'm just gonna, I'll tell you the truth. There were so many feelings that came flooding back. And you know, it, it was only like two and a half years 
and you think like you know it's such a big gap, you know, two and a half years. And in that point, I thought like, oh man, it's so long ago. But when they're admitting him into the hospital and they're putting him in the room and you're having to sign the papers and all that good stuff, it really like you know like reality hits. And not only did reality hit, but you know the devil wanted to play some images. You know, he wanted to replay, you know, uh, uh, December and, uh, and January of, what was he born, 2016? He wanted to replay 2016 for me. And so all those memories came flooding back. You know, the getting a call while I'm half asleep in the motel room that my son stopped breathing. You know, seeing him hooked up to the tubes, that's just the worst. You know, having to do simple things like, I can change a diaper like just no one's business. You know, I'm not going to change your kid's diaper. I only I limit it to my own. But you think about something simple. We, you know, those of you who have kids, you know, changing a diaper, it's not a big deal. You know, Pastor Dave, I'm sure you shared in that. But having to change a diaper when your kid is hooked up to, I think he had, what, two IVs, you know, heart monitors, you know, all kinds of tubes, feeding tube, because you can't touch the red feeding tube, because then if they do that, then you got to redo it. Or don't don't touch the, the heart monitor that's attached to his foot, because then you're going to throw off the readings. It was just a pain. Having to change a diaper. I just thought to myself, something so simple like changing a diaper took four times as long because you're weaving your hands in and out of tubes. So it really hit me. It flooded back big time. And then the second part came. It's like, you know what? This is the time where I usually call my mom. This is the time where I usually, you know, I lean on her medical her medical knowledge, and she would tell me, like, oh, Lawrence, this is probably what it is. Don't worry. You know, have faith in the doctors. And then it's like, oh, I can't call my mom because my mom's not around anymore. So that those feelings came rushing back because it's only, you know, it's only been a, a year since my mom passed away. So, and, th- and like I said, her voice usually calmed me down. And then I was struggling, I was struggling emotionally and spiritually, and then it was just affecting every area of my life. It was affecting my family. It was affecting, you know, relationship with friends, and, you know, and then even at work, it just, it just Everybody and anything was getting on my nerves. I'm like, why am I? I just feel like quitting. You know, I wanted to do a dramatic moment. I wanted to find a table and I wanted to flip it so I could just say, forget this place and then walk out. But there was no table to flip, so I said, okay, I'll stay. You know, I realized that I didn't have the strength to tackle all of this by myself. And I really, really honestly felt dumb that I thought I could. You know, I was reminded of God when he was talking to Joshua. And that there was a crazy time because Moses just died. And then God's telling Joshua, I was like, okay, well, yeah, I know your leader, your mentor, he's gone now. Well, like, hey, guess what? All these millions of people, you are now going to carry on the burden that he did. So, I mean, imagine that. So... That's pretty hard. I mean, like I said, you know, I got four kids, and that seems like a struggle. You know, me and Pastor Dave once uh, coached uh, T-ball, and he said T-ball is like herding cats. And I thought it was a joke. You know, like, yeah, you're funny, Pastor Dave. Another, another quip from you, and it was like herding cats, but worse in the summer Barstow heat. So there you go. But I thought, you know, so I researched it a little bit and then led me to Joshua 1.9. Joshua 1.9, New Living Translation. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. And there's an explanation point there, so I should probably give it more emphasis. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So I knew that God was with me at that moment. He was with me at St. Mary's while we're sitting in a hospital bed. Not knowing exactly what's wrong with him. Knowing that God is going to be with us. He's going to 
keep us strong. He's going to hold us where we, you know, hold us up. He's going to, you know, he's going to comfort me when I think about my mom. He's going to comfort me when I think about the moment where I had to drive from the hotel to the hospital at probably a speed that you probably shouldn't drive. And encourage me to stay strong and courageous. You know, I like how he puts, I'm not just suggesting be strong and courageous. He's not saying, you know, I suggest to you be strong and courageous. No, he's saying, I command you to be strong and courageous. You know, sometimes, you know, like if you're watching a movie or something, you know, Karate Kid and, you know, Mr. Miragi is giving that, that last minute, you know, pep talk, you know. He's not saying, well, you know, hey, you know, try this. I don't know. I mean, he tried everything else. No, he was, you know, little old guy was like giving some motivation right there. He's like, hey, get out there. Go. That's what God was doing to me through his word. He was giving me a pep talk. He was giving me a pep talk of with the good memories of all the, what I learned here at High Desert Word Center. You know, and then I remembered... I'm not in this alone. I mean, physically, I got my family. You know, you couldn't ask for a better mate, for a better friend than Leah. Because she really does. She has my back. We were both struggling at that moment. We were both like, it's hard. You know, it's hard just, you know, when you see your kid miserable. I mean, I took a picture of Eli. And if you want to see it, I'll show you later. It just kind of like personified how he felt at that time. It was just a picture of him. Like, his eyes are all in the back of his head, and he's sitting in his crib in the hospital, like, oh, God, is this over yet? You know, the only time he was happy was around feeding time when he he found a love for cheeseburgers at St. Mary's Hospital. It didn't matter if it was morning, noon, or night. He wanted a cheeseburger. And, you know, that kid wasn't eating for, like, the previous three weeks, so we're like, here, cheeseburger, here, take it. Cheeseburger, take it. But I was remembering I wasn't alone, and then I remember Philippians 413, which is another one. If you don't know, well, you know, you need to crack open that Bible. Philippians 413 says, for I can do anything through Christ who gives me strength. So I can do anything and I can walk through anything that God gives me the strength to do it. Oh, no, I'm not stopping there. Let's go. Flip all the way back to Isaiah 41.10. I'll give you a minute to look at that one. Isaiah 41.10 says, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious hand. No, I did. I honestly read this. I don't want. To, it wasn't just me adding to the story because it sounded real great and inspirational that I'm reading the Bible while my son's in the hospital. I honestly read Isaiah 41:10 and I broke it down. You know, he's telling me, "Don't be afraid, for I'm with you. Don't be discouraged, because I'm your God." That was him saying, "You know, don't be discouraged because you're not in this alone, and I have your back." He was saying, also, I will strengthen you. So I felt weak, but he's telling me, hey, I know you're weak right now, but I'm going to like give you some of my strength. I'm a powerful God, right? So I'm going to give you some of my strength, and I know you don't have much right now. He said, I'll hold you up with my victorious right hand. You know, we hear stories of like God can fit all the oceans in the palm of his hand. So if God can fit all the oceans in the palm of his hand, so then a six-foot, 280-pound man is not going to be nothing for him. You know? So he's telling me that. He's like, yeah, don't worry about it. I got you. You know, you're going to slip and fall, but I'm going to lift you right back up. You're going to have a bad day? Well, guess what? I'm going to be right with you, and I'm going to lift you right back up. So, and I don't know why, but... It kind of made sense at the time, and it may make sense later, but then when I looked at it right now, it didn't really make sense. But this, God gave me this phrase. He said, sometimes you have to turn off your head of what you think you know about worldly knowledge, and you have to let what you know you know of God's knowledge take over. 
I, I'll say it again. But I'll just tell you this. There's very few times lately where God was implanting stuff in me that's fresh and original and like, hey, you know, this is one to take to the bank. So I'll say it again. Sometimes you have to turn off your head of what you think you know about worldly knowledge. And you have to let what you know you know of all God's knowledge take over. So you're thinking like, okay, I, I know everything's going to be okay. You know, you know, Eli's having stomach issues. We're going to give him this medicine. And then you, you know, we'll do this. And if my mom was alive, she probably would have gave some kind of like Mexican remedy of dipping onions and vinegar and dipping it on the sock and then, you know, tying a, a, a cantaloupe brine that was sprinkled with cinnamon around his head. You know, she had things like, I'm not even joking with you. She would break out like, of muscle ligaments that are given to horses, and she'd be like, oh, your back's hurting you? Well, here you go, Lawrence, put this on. I'm like, what is that? Is that like, did you grind up a dead man or something? And she's like, no, this horse ligament oil. I'm like, my back don't hurt that bad. I'll just, I'll survive. You know, you hear about the stories about Ben Gay hurting, but, you know, horse ligament oil, don't do it unless you really have to, okay? All these lessons were about me telling me to shut up and about me opening my eyes and realizing the big picture. Because, you know, like, I may be, I may be introverted sometimes. I may be shy, and my shyness, I always say, sometimes shyness can be misunderstood as being stuck up or snobby, you know, and you never think about it. You know, it's, I, I know how to flip on the switch really good. You know, like I always tell, like people always wonder, like me and Pastor Dave used to joke, like, oh, man, you worked everywhere. Yeah, because you know what? I know how to flip on the charm when I have to. I can interview like no one's business. You know, where you, there was a job that uh, people were saying, like, oh, man, you know, what? I, it took me years to even get an interview there. I just went to a job interview just on a whim because I was a little angry at my work at the time. I was like, well, forget that place. I don't want to work there anymore anyway. I'm going to go find me another job. And then lo and behold, this place that people are always trying to get a job, they offered one, offered me one. I'm like, oh, crap. I've never been in this position where I have to actually decide, do I want to stay where I'm at or do I want to go to this job? I've never, like, you know, in 40 years, I'm like, oh, Leah, what do I do? And she's like, I don't know. You know, you do what you feel. And I'm like, oh, that's not helping me much, you know? You know, I mean, obviously, she told me to pray about it. Yes, I'm sorry, honey. She told me to pray about it. But it's just hard because, you're like, you know, with, if, you're, if you're single, you just go whatever job makes the most money. But when you, when you got a family, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I had, to, I had to physically take a pros and cons list of, okay, this job's going to do this on the pro side, but this job also do this on the con side. And I did two of the main things, and it wasn't really much contest after that. It was going to take me away from church, and it was going to take away from my family. So it was definitely no. But yeah, Leah's right. I had to pray on it. I had to uh, get God's peace about the situation. She was talking about uh, when we bought a house. You know, the first time around, there was a lot. my job was being attacked. So the very same day, we're putting down the offer. We're like, okay, we want this house. Here's the money that we're going to pay you for it. And then maybe less than an hour later, I get a call. You might not have a job when you come back on Monday. Oh, right, okay. Let's... But God works. You know, we weren't trying to, like, force something. We're like, okay, we, we were very positive about it. We're like, okay, that, that wasn't the right house for us at the time. And then when we got this house. She was like, are you sure? And I was like, it's now. The time's now. We got to go. Let's move. You know, when, when Leah puts in her Starbucks order, I always, uh, I, she puts in the order, I go pick it up. So when she tells me, you know, let me know when you're close to your car, when you're in town. So I just text her now, order now, now times now let's go. And I know that was a bunny trail, but, you know, somebody obviously needs to hear that. So this summer wasn't wasted. You know, I've noticed in 
times past, you know, we've let things kind of happen. You know, me and Leah have been having a lot more in-depth and deep adult talks lately, you know, talking about future and, you know, you know, where do we belong in the big picture? You know, what about our kids? You know, what's going to go on with them? You know, and we had to, like, really think about things. And we're like, you know what? It's all in God's hands. But we're not going to just stand there and just say, God, it's in your hands. you got to make actions towards it. You can't just say, well, you know what? This, that's like where tithing comes in. You know, you can't just say, you know what? I wish I can get out of debt. Well, Wishing ain't going to get you nowhere. Hoping ain't going to get you nowhere. Even saying, God, I wish I was out of debt, ain't going to get you nowhere. I know it ain't a word, but we're going to use it. You have to tithe. And you have, you can't just tithe for a week and then think like, oh, okay, why didn't it work? You can't just pray and believe and in a week's past, or in our case, two weeks have passed and your son is still hooked up to tubes in the hospital. Because if there's nothing more discouraging to see your kid laying down in a bed, hooked up to machines and monitors, and you're like, there's not a darn thing you can do about it physically. You know, I can't go there and do anything. I was like, okay, well, you know what? Just, you know what? Just put the feeding tube in my nose so Eli doesn't have to go through that. You know what? Give me the two IVs that are on his hands, you know, so you don't have to prick him anymore. You know, and give me the, give me the monitors so, you know, he can sleep better. No, it, it didn't work that way. I couldn't, that couldn't happen. But what I could do is I can pray and I could say positive confessions and I could keep the people that I knew were flaky out of that room. And if it wasn't for, if for Pastor telling the stories about Pastor Dave when he was younger, I think I would have let everybody go in because I was like, me and Leah were like lonely at the time. Like we could have used all the visitors, but that would have been just for us. That wouldn't have helped Eli, you know, just like when my niece passed away. I, I would hear the stupidest things in the hospital of like, you know what? Well, God just needed one more angel. You know, I'm telling you, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And I'm sorry, if you ever said it, then you're, you're kind of silly yourself. Because you know what? God doesn't take away people because he needed another flower in his garden. Okay? The Bible clearly tells us what goes on. And there's very few things I get very bold about sometimes. But when I heard that in the hospital... My head's telling me, like, you know what, hey, don't say anything because you're going to disrupt the, the somber situation. But my heart and my spirit was like, you know, that's a lie, Lawrence. you got to speak up. And I did. And I said, nope, that's a lie. I'm sorry. God didn't need another flower. That was the devil that took away my niece. Because the Bible clearly says the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Same thing with my mom. Oh, God needed another angel. Your mom was an angel, and she went back to where she belonged. Or, you know, I've told Pastor Dave many other kooky stories that went on along the, you know, when my mom passed away from people you would think, like, okay, you're calling yourself a man of God, but yet you're spouting out so much poo-poo. That's the only word I could use. That, you know, shame on you. You have to, you have to put what you know, along with God's promises. A lot of things are twofold in the Bible. You know, I think of the very first verse that, oddly enough, my mom taught me, and I'm, I don't I think I was in my late 20s, and I was pretty messed up at the time, but she called me into her room, and she was like, Lawrence, listen, I wanted to share this verse with you. And it was James 4, 7. And she gave me the condensed version of it, but I had a good thing I went back and I read it for myself. She said, uh, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But when I read it for myself, there's a little snippet before that that's a major part of that whole verse. It said, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And that's what I, you know, there's a lot of things that they go together. You know, that was like the, the, the peanut butter to the jelly. You know, we don't talk about peanut butter in my house too much because in Jesus' name, <laughs> Eli is completely healed from uh, peanut allergies. But even, uh, I, I won't get into that. It's very cute. Ask, mention peanuts around Eli, and he'll tell you that peanuts are bad. Peanuts are very bad. 
But I had a, you know, I, it was like almost like when I, when I heard the words about having positive uh, confessions about things, I knew you, you had to put more. You had to put the power and the action and the promises and God's word. You had to like mix it all up and put it together. It all works cohesively. It's more than, you know, you can't, you know, what it says up there. You know, you can, can't just wish for the mountain to move. It doesn't say wish to the, for the mountain to move. I'm like, come on, please. Just, just scoot a little bit to the side, mountain, please. It doesn't say whine about it or think about it or, you know, write, write it on a note and then send it up in a balloon. It says speak to the mountain. I had to speak to many mountains, and I had to speak to many mountains this summer. You know, and throughout all that stuff, God told me, he says, don't worry about it. Eli is going to be fine. I got this under control. And then the revelation came to me, and quite a few people from church had agreed with it. My boy is destined for something great. Because why else would the devil be so concentrated on the, the cutest little blonde-haired, curly-haired boy that you would ever see in your life? For the funniest little kid that you can think of. You know, there's something got to be destined for him so where he's not attacking me. Because he knows that I'm not such an easy target anymore. You know, he might ca- catch me slipping every once in a while. That's why he hit play. When Eli was sick, he's like, oh, oh, God, I got him. He's down. His defenses are down. Okay, let's, all right, let's call up 2016 when he was in the hospital. Oh, I got a fresh one. The day your mom died. Let's call that up. It didn't work. It didn't work, you know, because, yeah, I get sad. I get sad when I think about my mom. But I know she's in a better place. I don't just think about, like, oh, okay, she's gone. My life's done. I, you know what I'm going to do without my mom? I think about, like, you know what, hey, I had 40 great years with my mom. And my kids know, knew who my mom was. And even sweet little Eli, every once in a while, because my mom, I have a big old picture of her in the, in the living room. And every once in a while, Leah, uh, not Leah, Eli walks by and says, oh, look at Grandma. You know, I, he also looks at the Tapatio guy and says, Grandpa, but... We're gonna go out. We're we're gonna go for the touchy moment of him recognizing his grandma. So, I really feel because I know in past times, summers kind of felt wasted. You know, me and Leah like looked at each other like, what do we have to show for the summer? We spent a summer with the kids, you know, sitting inside watching TV. You know, Rylan wanted to play on the iPad. Uh, Lily on her phone. You know. Me and Leah just kind of like looking at each other like Spongebob and Patrick. Like, what do you want to do today? I don't know. What do you want to do today? I don't know. We actually made a difference this summer. Then me, myself, made a difference by not letting time go by and be wasted. That I used it to grow up a little bit spiritually. You know, because I'm already old. I'm 40. Don't rub it in. I made breakthroughs. I even learned some new things. But I also want to say... Thank you for being patient with me, you guys, you guys, and whoever hears this. Because you know what? I'm, sometimes I'm not the easiest person to talk to. You know, but I mean, try the icebreakers of, of football and Star Wars. You know, those are two great things. You know what? You want to break the ice with me and be like, hey, you know, did you see the new Star Wars trailer? Boom, we're going to start talking. I was, I was talking to the guy at a, what, Dollar Tree. I started talking to the guy at Dollar Tree because he was like, hey, I noticed your Star Wars shirt. He started digging through the back and like, hey, I found the last two Star Wars mug that we have. I didn't even know they had them there. And I had no use for them. And they're sitting in my cabinet right now, but I had to have them. So as we're talking about Star Wars, it led to other movies. And then it's just showing that, you know, she gets embarrassed, but it's like, you know, it's the icebreaker for me. And then it's a good witnessing tool because they're seeing like, you know, while people are yelling and screaming at their kids, you know, we're, we're doing the, the Danny Tanner moment that Katie usually does. I'm like, okay, well, you know, okay, you can't have candy right now, all right? Just wait, wait a little bit. 
you know, that's inside the store. Outside the store, it's like, I told you no! <laughs> See? He's laughing because he's a little bit nervous right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you know, thank you. Thank you, because I know, look angry. And if I have the combo of the glasses, the sunglasses, and the hat, you know, it looks even worse. I call it my deterrent at work. Because, you know, a lot of times, you know, people will avoid my desk and go to the next desk, you know, if they don't know me right off the bat. But a lot of people, like, even, I'll tell you a story on Friday. of This guy I never talked to before. And I can't remember what we're, we're talking about salads. I had salad for lunch, and then we're talking about, he started talking about salads. So we had this long talk about a salad. And then there's our icebreaker. And then he actually said the words, Lawrence, I always thought you were mean. So then, and then like, you know, I heard, you know, someone in the church thought I was mean. And it was like, it didn't like, it didn't offend me. I was just like, I'm nice. I'm nice. Give me a chance. Hey, guys, come on. Just give me a chance. (laughs) Just give me a chance. I'm nice. Come on. But I went and like, I I really went outside my comfort zone. You know, I'm texting this guy out of the blue i'm i'm you know saying you know, like hey how's it going you know we're, we're we're exchanging quips here and there you know just i wanted to let the guy know like hey i'm not the jerk that you thought i was so like i said i never write lessons to condemn someone or try and sound smart and write about things that i don't know about i write about things from a perspective that this is what God did for me, and that he can do the same for you. And that's like the best witnessing tool. It's like, hey, you know what? I may not know the Bible from cover to cover, but I do know these verses, and these verses apply to this situation in my life, and they got me through it, and God got me through it. So there you go. That's all I got. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org. 